The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Thursday, March 4th. If you hear an echo, it's because I'm in a new environment. The West Coast headquarters is slowly coming together. And uh, BJ Armstrong, Eric Newman, back for another Pew Hoops podcast. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Welcome to the West Coast. I, Thank you. You look uh, very happy. You're smiling. And that's good. So uh, welcome. Welcome. What's going on? What's, what, what's happening in the sporting world of NBA basketball? Wait, real quick. Was I, was I that noticeably unhappy before my, <laughs> before my journey across the map? Well, I'm just I thought saying, I was faking we were, it. I thought I was faking more, it pretty well. <laughs> we have more smiles in the first thirty seconds, and you know, you know, it's good. It, it's good. Well, you know, we, we liked it. We liked it. We're, we're also not coming off of a string of awful Celtics losses into our next episode, which is good. This too. is true. So this is yeah. true. This, so this is true. You know, it's 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 been interesting the last couple of weeks. I mean, I've been obviously, um, you know, I, I came out here. And, you know, first and foremost, had to make sure I wasn't missing a beat with with work, uh, the show and the film. And uh, we actually did some uh, we did some remote interviews on uh, Tuesday with some some names that are going to be a blast from the past for you. So uh, the one and only Mike Gorman, Celtics voice since 1981. Uh, Sean Grande, Celtics radio voice since 2001, formerly with the Timberwolves. Uh, Brian Scalabrini joined us as he was a teammate of uh, KG. But then the, the the real wild card here, and we had him on our show a number of months ago, and that was Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. And BJ, when I say Cedric did not bring his filter to this interview, he did not bring his filter to this interview. So it's been action-packed and um, happy to be out here and be set up. And, you know, just looking at the landscape of the league as we head into All-Star break, um, it's been really interesting watching teams navigate health, COVID, the schedule, and it seemed like teams really needed to get to um, today, which is the last day before the break. Um, before we get into some of uh, our, our midseason awards conversations here, um, Lakers still without AD. LeBron rests for the first time the other day. The Nets taking it, uh, playing it very safe uh, with Kevin Durant out. And James Harden continues to impress. Celtics seem to find their way a little bit here before the break. And the Utah Jazz just continue to, uh, to really just hum along out in the Western Conference, even though Philly did beat them uh, on Wednesday. Um, those are some of the things top of my radar. What's uh, what's been catching your eye the last uh, week, ten days on the Armstrong end? What's been catching my eye? Well, just kind of watching. You know, there's been some shakeups 
here of coaches. You know, we have a new hire there in Minnesota. We have a new hire, Nate McMillan in Atlanta. Um, of course, the Jazz, been interesting to watch. Your Celtics kind of seem like they've turned it around just a little bit here as of late um, with winning the last couple, two or three games. So uh, I think the big thing is as we head into All-Star Weekend, you know, how the season's going to play out in the second half of the season. I think the good teams now are going to begin to separate themselves. Everyone's going to begin to start jockeying for, you know, home court advantage. I thought it was a great game last night, which really kind of caught my attention a little bit. Philadelphia, Utah. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the second half of the season. See which teams are going to begin to separate, which teams here, you know, is it Brooklyn? Is it Philly in the Eastern Conference? You know, is this Utah team for real? You know, are they going to continue? They've been playing great, um, especially shooting the ball from the three-point line. But can they maintain this in the second half? So there, there are a lot of interesting things to to tune into here for the second half of the season, and uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and, you know, Phoenix has been very, very good. They sit at the two spot right now. Portland, despite right. their injuries, has really done a great job. And um, we had C.J. McCollum on uh, on All the Smoke about a week and a half ago, and he, he was just raving about how Gary Trent, Carmelo Anthony, and, and, and his canter have, have really stepped up their games with him out and uh, Nurkic out too. So um, this Western Conference, and, and I want to get to the awards first, and then we can come back to this, but this Western Conference race is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. And, and I'm so happy that the league decided to do the 7 through 10 uh, playoff as part of this year because it is going to create so much excitement and so much competition down the stretch and really add some extra drama to uh, playoff basketball this year. Yeah, it is. I think the NBA is well aware of the latest perception tanking and what that means to the perception of the NBA. So I think this will add, you know, another layer to encouraging teams to compete and encouraging teams to, you know, look, everyone can't win. So I, I think it would be great. It's great for the fans. The fans seem to, to have enjoyed this concept here in the bubble where you have a team playing in kind of a – winner-takes-all type of uh, format. So I think it's great. It's great for the fans, great for the players, and it adds to the integrity of the game, which is every time you step out, you want to know, you know, unlike, you know, which has been a perception here in the NBA as of late, you know, trust the process, so forth and so on. So I I think it's good. I think it's a a step in the right direction. Yeah, trust the process. Hire Doc Rivers and uh, figure out your roster. Trust the process, right? My guy. Yeah, not bad, right? Not bad. I told you. I told you. Outdoor run, a little rest, you know, some vitamin D. I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I'm feeling I'm feeling spry, you know. Not not a not not a day over forty one and a half. <laughs> I'm almost forty three. Anyway. Um let's get into some awards. I don't think we've ever done this in the middle of the season, and I've never been big on this before, but I actually find this year more interesting than in the past. So um, MVP, 
there's favorites, there's dark horses. Obviously, at the top of the list right now, you've got Embiid, LeBron, Jokic. Curry's in the discussion. Dame is in the discussion. James Harden should now, I think, be in the discussion. Is there a name in Utah that's worth being in it? Um, where are you sitting right now with, with MVP? And uh, as always, let's have fun uh, with that definition of MVP in the modern-day NBA. Well, you know, you know, Eric, I, 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 you know, I can be labeled as old school, you know, and then there's new school, but I like to refer to it as just the true school. It just is what it is. You know, it's, it, it's, it's mid season. It's mid season right now. And we love in today's narratives to talk about who's going to do what, right? You know, no one wants to be where they're at. They want to be in the future. You know, we want to look at all look into our crystal ball and be right. You know, at one point, Eric, you used to have to put together a great season individually and shoulder the responsibility for the success of your franchise. It used to be. Yes. Yes. Where that was indicative on whether or not you should be even placed in that category. Now you have a great week and all of a sudden you're, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not going to go down this narrative is because of the following. There are so many amazing players that have played in this game and I have to pay homage and respect to those players. And then suddenly now you have a great week or two. And suddenly now you're in the MVP race. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to sit on the sideline silently and let the dust clear and then speak when there's something really to say. But in saying that, there are two players in particular to me that have kind of, they've been consistent throughout the first half of the season. One, in, in, in order, one, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has been really consistent from the beginning to the halfway point. Without question, he has been one of the top three players and their team is performing. Two, LeBron James. LeBron James has been in the Western Conference playing the game individually and the team has been forming, has been performing at a very high level. Now, I think Jokic you know, it's, I think he should be in the race. His team, for better or for worse, they're not maybe performing. But overall, individually, he's had some pretty spectacular individual performances here in the first half of the season. You know, I, Damian Lillard, his body of work going back from the bubble till now. You know what? I could see his name. Is his team at the elite category? They've had some injuries, so forth and so on. But I could see individually you saying he deserves this recognition because he's been playing the game at a high level, not only this year, but consistently over a number of years. But if you ask me who has been playing the best with the combination of team and individual, it's Joel Embiid. You know, if you're just saying individual work, look, you can look at James Harden and and make a case. You could look at Bradley Beal make a case there are a number of players you can make a case but i'm going to stick to what it is that will never change 
you have to shoulder the responsibility of an organization to be in my category, okay? To be in my, in my category. So I think there are two players right now are leading the pack, Joel Embiid and LeBron James. Joel Embiid, 30 points, 11 and a half rebounds a game, a steal and a block. LeBron James, quietly, 26, 8 and 8. I mean, the guy is just, as we know, he's incredible. And the, the team standpoint here is, is, is interesting, and that's why I, I think with KD being out and Kyrie being in and out of the lineup, and as much as I did not like the way James Harden handled the beginning of his season in Houston, he has been unbelievable for Brooklyn, and they sit a half a game back of Philly in the standings. I mean, the difference is one in the loss column right now, and Harden has been phenomenal. So I, I, I see him now um, weaving his way into this conversation. And, you know, Dame Lillard, you hit it on the head. I mean, he's been at this level for quite some time, and they're smack in the middle of the race in the West, despite CJ being out, despite Nurkic being out. And Dame has not missed a beat. So um, this this excites me. And, um, you know, you think back to MVPs of, of, of years past and you think back to, okay, did somebody get it because of longevity and they missed out on it in different years and et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's always a fun discussion to have, but nothing that well, uh, either well, of us it, are going to get People worked up over. People love discussing it. And I get it. Yep. And, I, and I get it. Look, it's great, great fan engagement. But you know we gotta like we gotta have some separation here, and it's early. No, it's it's halfway during the season. Okay, there's another half to go. A lot of things can change, and let's let the look. As my dad used to always say, if you want to find out who the best, just wait. <laughs> let the smoke clear a little bit. He gonna show up. We want to find out who the best player is in the NBA this year. Eric, let's just be patient. Keep mm-hmm. watching. He going to show up. I guarantee you, Eric, the best player in the NBA is going to show up this year. For sure. He can't talk his way into being the best player. You can't act like you're the best player. You can't pretend like you're the best player. You got to do it. Now, you and I have been in games where, yeah, we've been down at halftime before and still come back and, and, and won the game. So, all right, it's a halfway point. There's a lot of basketball to be played right now. There's a lot of basketball to be played. These narratives will change. These narratives will change. But right, I'm 53. And I know one thing. If I want to find out who the best player is in the 2021 season, Eric, when the dust settle, he gonna walk out of there, and I'll be like, "That's the guy." We'll see. We'll see. That's He'll walk guy. out That's of the, the room. Guy. He'll walk out He'll of the room. Up. We'll find out. So you know, let's. But again, those are my two guys that I've yep. seen thus far, and uh, Joel Embiid again made his case last night. He was terrific, and what I love most about the game last night was. You know, Eric, we talk about pace and space and three-point shooting and, and, 
and all of these things. They're playing through the post in Philadelphia. They're playing through the post. Listen to what I said, Eric. And it, it finally occurred to me why this game and analytics is so important in this era after watching last night. Because I saw Doc Rivers run like 10 plays that you I haven't seen since like the 80s and 90s, back when I played. He went to the post with three players. He didn't play around with all these cute misdirectional plays, trying to get guys threes. He did one play. Dribble to the wing. Pounded in there. Pounded in there. Pounded into three players. Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. And let's see what they do. Now, I thought it was fascinating because no team in the NBA is shooting the ball from distance better than the Utah Jazz. But Doc Rivers made a point. Okay. Three is more than two. But I'm going inside, and I'm just going to pound it. I'm just going to pound it. Uh, and I'm going to make, Embiid. I'm going to force you to stop it. And it occurred to me at that moment why the game is the way it is. Because Doc Rivers is only one of two players. One of, he is coaching one of only two players in the entire NBA. I'm going to say that again. In the entire NBA that can play through the post. There are no more bigs. There are no more Patrick Ewings, Akeem Olajuwans, David Robinsons, Tim Duncans. There are no more bigs. We would probably play from the post if we had bigs who could actually post up. Joel Embiid just beat the Utah Jazz. He beat them by himself last night. I mean, he he. If Shaq was playing in the game today, why am I gonna have him shooting threes? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If Kareem, I wouldn't. So it occurred to me last night the reason we play the way we play is because we don't have any more bigs. We don't have any more bigs. Everyone is a stretch player. <laughs> yep. Doc Rivers made the game very, very simple last night. We're just going to Joel Embiid, and we're going to force you to do something. And if you don't double him, he's going to he's going to run right through Rudy Gobert, who is de- who is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. At the end of the game, I saw Donovan Mitchell get thrown out. I saw Rudy Gobert upset about the way the refs are playing. But Doc Rivers is from that era, like that's where the playoffs is. Go- that, that's the way the playoffs are going to be played. Street fight. Buckle up. Let's go. And you you look at, you know, you mentioned Embiid and then you mentioned Harris and Simmons. I mean, Embiid shoots 14 of 27 last night. Harris shoots 9 of 18. Simmons shoots 8 of 11. I mean, you want to talk about efficiency. You want to talk about guys just getting getting the looks. Embiid, of course, finishing with a monster 40.19 rebound performance. And, you know, also goes to the line 13 times. So, yeah, you hit it on the head. You hit it on the head. When it's all said and done, that game is going to slow down. That game is going to get organized. And you have to have players who can play from from that spot. 
the problem with the game today is not it's a different game. We don't have any players who can actually do that. Yeah, well, how's this for you, BJ? Thanks to uh, Johnny L for this one. Joel Embiid has 297 points in the post this season. The only other guy in the league within 100 points of that in the post is Jokic with 212. Exactly. That's what I said. I mean, that's... Listen. I, well, we're, we're, just, we're just amplifying your very insightful messaging, this is, DJ, this with is the, the, complimentary the analytics. analytics. <laughs> the analytics... I mean, as you watch the game, it's it was so obvious to me watching last night that I was like, oh, that's the problem now. That's the problem. That that is the Brooklyn as I was watching the game last night, I was saying, who could stop this guy right now? Joel Embiid. Because you gotta stop him. Like, I mean, when I say stop him, who can guard him? Right? And if you do guard him, you gotta you're gonna have to choose your poison here. Do you have a big enough body that can defend him and contain him somewhat? Right, he's going to get twenty five plus. Yeah, just push you push him off that big push him off that block. Push him off that block so it's difficult to do it. Or are you going to do what the analytics say? Well, if I shoot three and you make two, I should win the game, <laughs> right? Okay, right. So as I was watching the game, I was like, okay, Brooklyn. It's going to have to figure this out. Brooklyn is going to have to figure this out. Like, they have three guys who can post up. They have three guys who can post up. Now, that's a, that's going to be a problem for Brooklyn. That's going to be a problem for them. So, I immediately, I put in my notes, call Brooklyn because they need another big. They need a minimum of six fouls against Joel Embiid. Because six fouls yeah. playing playing with just DeAndre Jordan is not enough. You need 12 fouls to play against him. Oh, uh, and I was going to say I think they need 18. I mean, yeah, to be you, honest you with need you. A in, a play, you in, need in a play in a in a playoff series, you need 18. Because you're going to have to double somebody. You're going to have to double somebody. Because Joel Embiid is that good. And I started thinking, I was like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna win this year, you gotta have someone who can guard him coming out of the East. And I looked at Milwaukee and I was like, okay, Brooke Lopez. I don't know if that's you can't play Bobby Portis and these guys against him. He's too good. You can't play yeah, Bobby P- Portis versus P- Por- Joel Embiid. Portis has been Portis has been very good, but putting him on Embiid one on one is not gonna end well it's, at all. So, you know, I'm looking now for Brooklyn to make a deal. They gotta make a deal. They're gonna to have to make a deal with someone. Who's who's gonna... who's who who's the ideal? I mean, you you know who could be moved out there. Who who's the ideal well, guy? I mean, that the they usual, could bring so, it. I mean, it's it's the usual you know it's usual names that are out there. I mean, I, I you know you keep hearing Drummond's name. They're out there. Look, I have no idea. If I were if I were Brooklyn, let's say you know if you're asking me, you want a mm-hmm. big who can play. At the speed of the game, first of all, because those three players need to play the game and utilize what they do best, right? Those three players are phenomenal open court players. Simmons, <laughs> Harris, Embiid. Oh, you're talking about Durant, no, Kyrie, Dur- Harden Durant, on the Brooklyn yeah, side. Yeah, yes, yes. So that's the first thing. So I would look for the best available player who can play the vertical game. 
DeAndre Jordan and those type of guys who can play the verticality game, right? Yeah. Because when they are penetrating, you want those guys to be able to play vertical basketball. Because I'm not yeah. running any posts, I'm not running any plays, and I want all bigs who can sweat screens and dive. That's what I would well, do. And, and the irony here, the irony here, BJ, not to cut you off, but the irony here is Embiid's backup is the perfect guy <laughs> that yeah, Brooklyn yeah, would want. What, Dwight that, is the perfect guy. So I, you know, again, those type of centers to me are invaluable. Like what the Lakers had last year in the combination of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard to me in today's game. That's everything you want. I want a person, I want a player who can rim protect, play vertical basketball, and play at the at the pace of the game and not have to run any plays because for them, why? Because the game requires now that you attack the basket. You got to take advantage of the rules of the game. So to me, that is on their side. If I'm the Sixers, if the Sixers are able to add a point guard to their team, a Kyle Lowry, for example, or a player, a Rajon Rondo or someone like that. I think they're going to be a very serious team. They're already, you got to take them serious now. But if they add mm-hmm. a player who can manage the time and score, like a Rondo, like a Kyle Lowry, I think it gives them an incredible opportunity to win the whole thing this year. Because they can play when the game slows down in the playoffs. And if they have that other player who can manage the game, like what Rondo did for the Lakers last year in the playoffs, Rondo mm-hmm. can manage. Is he the best three-point shooter? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> is he the best scorer? Maybe, maybe not. But what no. Rondo intangibles. can do better intangibles, than anybody, intangibles. he can manage a game, and he plays in big moments. If they get someone like that who could just manage the game and the score, they are going to be a very dangerous ball club. And that's what I'm looking for them to do. So I think there are moves to be made. I expect both of those teams to be in the mix. You know, Daryl Morey and Sean Marks and those guys. I expect the Lakers. You know, I think there's some 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 moves to be made here. So I look for a big or two to be moved around. Uh, for the Nets, and I look for some guards. I look for, in particular, for the uh, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, so we went down this lane talking MVP and obviously Embiid at the center of it and, and discussing, you know, what could happen with Philly the second half of the year. The Rondo option, really interesting, with the season not going very well for the Atlanta Hawks and, of course, his history with Doc Rivers. Uh, I think the Celtic fan base would uh, have a coronary all over again watching Rondo first win with the Lakers and then with Philly, but that's uh, a different joke for a different day. Uh, But Rondo with that team, to take some of that pressure off Simmons and let him slash and post up and not always have to handle it, I think could be uh, very good and very dangerous for them. So another team that's been looking pretty dangerous offensively uh, features the Rookie of the Year favorite LaMelo Ball, in Charlotte, and he has been uh, incredibly impressive. Uh, we've also seen some very good play from Tyrese Halliburton with the Kings, Anthony Edwards with the Timberwolves. Um, I think Ball right now, clearly the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. BJ, what's impressed you most about LaMelo Ball so far the first half of this season? Well, it's very rare that you come in, Eric, and you you can make a 
contribution to winning? You're a young player. Why why would you? You know, how could you? You have any experience? The thing that's most impressive about this rookie class is that literally they didn't play any basketball prior to them playing their first game in the NBA, right? There was no summer league. There was no initiation as far as getting adjusted to your city. Nothing nothing normal about the transition of the process. Zero. So Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball, they were just literally thrown in the fire. They had about, what, seven to ten days training camp, first game, let's go. One, two, three. Okay. So this has been very impressive. The one thing that I am thoroughly impressed with is how he's contributed to winning. I mean, he's really had – he, and I mean he, LaMelo Ball, has this Charlotte Hornets team playing at a very high level. And the thing that I'm most impressed with is how mature his game is. Yes, he is flashy. Yes, he does some spectacular things. Yes, he's a fun player to watch. But when you watch him, he's very fundamentally sound, and he plays winning basketball. He has a winning spirit about him. It's infectious. You can see how he interacts with the team. And when you look at the standings, this team is right there to make the playoffs with him leading the charge. LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward at the guard positions, they have size. Gordon Hayward has really, I always respected him and always liked him as a player. But that combination with those two at the guard position, that's And Rozier. And Rozier. Rozier is great. But the size, if you're playing those guys in the mm-hmm. playoffs and those are this, the point guard, LaMelo Ball, and Gordon Hayward is your two, that's a problem. I don't care who you're playing with. I don't, I don't care. That's a problem because of the size that they present. I like what this Charlotte Hornets franchise is doing, and LaMelo Ball has given them an identity. They are fun to watch. Eric, I really – like I enjoyed watching them play last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. LaMelo Ball is fun. He's whipping that ball around. You know, coaching him oh, is probably fun. a little difficult because he's, you got to live with his mistakes, you know? It's like, it's like our, our, you know, it's like Phil Jackson used to always talk about Scotty. I got to allow Scotty to have eight turnovers for him to be Scotty Pippen. Because if I, if I, some players, you just got to let them be. Right. LaMelo Ball is one of those players. If, if you don't let him play freely because... He needs that freedom because he's always doing things, trying to help other people out. He's he's making a pass. He's, he may get a turnover, but he you know he was trying to pass the ball. He wasn't trying to score. He was trying to pass it. I I I love him. I trust him. He's been better than advertised. Clearly, he loves the bright lights. But most importantly, he respects the game. His teammates respect him, and he's been. He's been a nice, pleasant surprise because that's a very difficult position to come into the point guard position and and make this kind of contribution and make this kind of impact or have this kind of impact. So LaMelo Ball has been a great pickup for them, their organization. And if this young man is healthy, he's going to be one of the elite players in this league. He really is. I mean, he's done a very nice job there in Charlotte and Mitch Kupchak and company. You know, they got themselves a great one. Not a good one. They got themselves a great one. Yeah, I think coming off the bench to start the year helped. Obviously, a crowded backcourt with Rozier. Um, Devontae Graham on the team as well, who hasn't played lately. He's been out. But, um, you know, everybody questioned the Hayward signing. 
and everybody was throwing shade at the Hornets. And well, everyone look should. How, I mean, look, listen, look, you, look how look, but look how well it's, it's worked out for them. The addition okay. of, of of Hayward. Why should and, we question? Why should we question? Because we now in the media. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying we I'm not saying we shouldn't question. It's just they yeah, took a lot of, of heat. Because of his, there was a lot of pressure, of his, and it's worked because of his injury history. But I've heard no one, at least in the circles I'm in, NBA circles, and people who watch the game said he can't play. Because every time I saw Gordon Hayward when he was on the floor healthy, hey, man, that kid can play. Now, has he had some health issues? Yes. Has he had some issues where he's had some unfortunate injuries and things he could? Yeah. But I haven't heard one person ever question that man's game. And when he is healthy... To play, so to me, it's about weighing the risk reward. The risk, the reward. If Gordon Hayward is healthy, raise your hand if you didn't think he this was possible. Like, if he plays, he's gonna get twenty points in his sleep. Gordon Hayward is an all star. I'm gonna repeat that. He is an all star caliber player. I don't care Absolutely. where you put him at. So, for the Charlotte Hornets, this was a no brainer. Because what is the one thing we're all looking to do? Acquire talent. And if you have talent, you want to get more talent. What guy is telling me Gordon Hayward is not a talent? And if you do say that, you probably shouldn't be in this business. So when I heard the critics questioning this, the only thing you can really say is that he's had some injuries, some unfortunate injuries. Borderline, like, things you you just, like... You're like, you know, he's had some injuries that you just, you, you, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't expect. So, but I'm giving them credit, man. They, they solidified their backcourt. They have some, it's the oh, guy, yeah. PJ, what, PJ Washington. I think he just had a, a 40 point game. Oh, and they the have front nice line. role yeah. players. PJ, Miles Bridges and Miles Cody Bridges Zeller and, and, yeah. And Monk, Malik Monk, Bismack yeah. Biombo. They have acquired now some role players, and they got a star player. They got a couple star players. I mean, Gordon Hayward is an all-star. Like, we're talking about a player. Like, no one's talking about, He's an all-star. That guy there is yep. playing at an all-star level. Now, it's loaded back there. You can't say he's an all-star unless you say who he should replace. Should he replace Bradley Beal? No. Yep. Kyrie Irving? No. James Harden? No. But he's playing in all-star level. If those guys play it in a playoff series, I expect him to average 25 a night. And that's not easy to do. I expect to. And if he outplayed those guys in a playoff series, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is, you're talking about Gordon Hayward here. Yep. Okay, so this has been a great opportunity for him to play. Fortunate enough for him, knock on wood, he's been healthy. And I like the direction of where they're going. I mean, this is a this is a really interesting team in a lot of ways moving forward. And um, you know what? Uh, that was a great pickup. Michael Jordan deserves, Mitch Kupchak deserves, the organization deserves credit for taking a risk. Because what was the downside? You got a really good player. <laughs> to me, there was no risk. He's a really good player. And on the other side of that, um, 
there's been a glaring hole with the Celtics without him and what he brought as that Swiss Army knife combo wing that could take the pressure off of everybody. And with the injuries the Celtics have had, uh, the Gordon Hayward departure has been uh, amplified that much more. So speaking of Gordon Hayward, um, his former team, uh, the Utah Jazz, top of the league record-wise, and uh, Quinn Snyder has got to be at the top of the coach of the year list, I think, along with uh, Monty Williams in Phoenix. And obviously Terry Stotts in Portland, Doc Rivers in Philly, Steve Nash in Brooklyn, Tom Thibodeau in New York, um, doing great jobs. Billy Donovan is trying to figure out the Bulls situation. Um, I love the coach of the year conversation because I don't think coaches in the NBA get enough credit. And and let's let's give them a lot of love. So, you know... Um, Let's focus on two guys. Let's focus on Quinn Snyder. Let's focus oh, on Monty let's Williams. Give some Let's start let's give in Utah some with, with Quinn. Obviously, um, they bring back uh, most of the same parts from last year. And um, a healthy Bogdanovich, a more comfortable Mike Conley, Donovan and Rudy, squash, whatever, uh, was in the air between them after the COVID mishap. Um what are you seeing from from Quinn Snyder that has impressed you most with how the Jazz have played so far the first half of the season? Well, well, Quinn has benefited from a team that has been together for a couple of years now, and he's he hasn't had the challenge to integrate new young players into their core group. Right, this core group now has been together for a few years now. And they've continued to grow together. And you add Bogdanovich, you know, they bring back uh, the big kid they had there. Uh, what's the big kid? Um, Derek Favors is back. Derek Favors, yeah, you bring Derek Favors back. And the development of Jordan Clarkson as their Jordan six man Clarkson has been a is, revelation. Well, I don't know if he's developed, but I mean, he's always been able to score. So he just, well, you know, he's always been. Let me rephrase. So they. Developed in that role. Sorry. Yes, he, he has flourished in that role, right? I mean, he just comes off and he has a heat check every night. I mean, that's that's a that's every player's dream, you know? Like Great job. Vinny Great Johnson, job. you know, I, I used to always joke, you know, Vinny Johnson, you know, the rest of us got a game plan. Vinny Johnson's role was like, I just got to get the ball in the basket, you know, the, the, the microwave. Yep. That, that's, a, that's a heck of a role that you carve out for yourself, you know? Like Jamal Crawford. And Lou Williams, and now Jordan Clarkson has taken that <laughs> that role. It's it's it, it's fitting out. It's sitting out there, and there are some players who just grab it. Um, I think what they've done, they've all benefited from being together. They seem to the pieces fit for them. They have a terrific you know rim protector in Rudy Gobert, and it works for them now. On the flip side of that, you say, okay, they're really only playing seven players, right? They go seven. They they basically go seven players, seven deep. And they've maintained this, you know, camaraderie here over the last two or three years, and now they're reaping the benefits because of it. You know, the, the one thing that that you're I think you're going to see in the second half of the season is because they have been getting so much attention for their record being having the best record in the league then now teams are going to start shooting at them and begin to like say oh and circle that game so i'm interested to see 
yep. how good they are and how well they can accept the best blow from the other teams now. Because, you know, you were playing the Jazz, you know, that you know, that was a game, you respect that game. But now you're playing the Jazz, the best team in the league, the hottest team in the league. And you saw it last night with Philly. Like Philly, you know, that, that was a good, well-contested regular season game. And I think they're going to start getting and receiving the other team's best punch moving forward. And uh, But I, I like Quinn. I like what he's done. I like their group. They have a, a core group, veterans. They're not going to panic under pressure. Um, but the question still is, are they good enough to win it? And uh, that's going to be a question that's going to linger over them and the rest of the NBA community for the for the entire season or for the rest of this season. They will definitely have a target on their back entering the second half of the year. Um, 27 and 9 heading into the break. Um, Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams. I know you've known him for quite some time. He's got a great oh, rep man, as Monty. a player, as a coach. Um, besides the, and we've talked about the um, the Chris Paul, what the Chris Paul addition has done for everything around him. But from the Monty Williams perspective, let's get into the mind of what it takes as a head coach when you've got all this young talent, and then you add that very strong-willed, strong-minded veteran to the mix. They also added Jay Crowder to the mix, who's been helpful to them, uh, playing some 3-4 combo. Um, What stands out to you most about Monty and the job he's done with the Suns this year? Well, what stands out first, and before we get to Monty, I want to give us, you know, a shout-out here to James Jones, right, the general manager there. The architect. Because you, you know, when you inherit these teams... You know, there's a reason you get these jobs because they need a they need a change, right? You have to do a 180. You're trying to change the behavior. You're trying to change, you know, we throw this word around culture. We're trying to change the expectations of our fan base and internally as well as, you know, what we believe is possible with this group. So I want to give a shout out there for identifying Monty and his leadership. Because Never before in the NBA have I felt stronger than what I'm about to say now. You know, back when I played, you know, I really didn't care who I played for. I, I just didn't, I, I mean, it mattered, but it didn't really matter. Like, because the coaches weren't out there playing, right? There was a responsibility that I took onto the floor every time I played, right? Like, and what I mean by that is, you know, I accepted my matchup, whoever I was playing against, for better or for worse. Right? Like, I didn't need a coach to call a, a special play for me to compete. Like, I was going to compete. There was something about the NBA game that was totally different than the collegiate game, was totally different than high school. I had my matchup, and I had to compete. And that's what you did in the NBA then. This is the first time since I've been involved in the NBA where you now see the impact of coaches. It kind of reminds me of like a glorified college game now hmm. because of the youth and inexperience that you're seeing currently now in the NBA. Now, the teams more than ever before, since I can recall, that you can see the personality of the coach 
influence the players on the floor now. Even more so. You know, Charles Oakley, it didn't matter who he was playing for, he was going to get in a, he was going to get in some type of interaction. <laughs> I love how you call it he an inter- I love how you call it an interaction. Well, that's what it was. It was an interaction. When you play when you played against the Knicks, there is going to be some level of confrontation. There you go. There's going to be a confrontation. That, that was part of the game. That was just, I didn't need a coach to tell me to toughen up. Right. That was just going to be part of the game. Today's game, coaching matters now. Even It always mattered, but it matters even more so now. Because the players are younger now, and the players don't have the same experience that the players of 15, 20 Much years different league. Much different league. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge James Jones for hiring Monty because Monty came there in a very difficult situation. There was a lot of instability there in the organization for whatever the reason was. And Monty came there and stabilized it from the sideline. Okay, that's a very difficult thing to do in the NBA to coach and maintain the respect of the players while you're losing is a very difficult thing. That's very difficult to do. That's why I'm always hesitant when I hear this word development. It's hard to develop and coach somebody. You got to pick one or the other. It's like, are you going to be a parent or are you going to be a friend? You got to pick one. Monty somehow navigated this and here we are he's got the second best record in the western conference as we speak (laughs) okay now when he got the job they were perhaps the worst team in the western conference and now i just watched them the other night going to la win a game in la minus devin booker So this has been a complete turnaround here of human behavior. Now, so Monty has had a very difficult task because this team hasn't been together one year yet. They haven't even been together a full season yet because the season last year was cut short because of COVID. They get Chris Paul after the bubble. And then here they are now looking and saying, oh, wow, this team is for real. So what Monty has done has shown you how important leadership is. And we can look around the league and we look at the Knicks. If we want to look in the East, Tom Thibodeau, another difficult situation. He comes in and he stabilizes the situation and gives them an identity. Okay. Huge, huge. Monty, Monty has been fantastic. And it doesn't hurt when you get a leader like Chris Paul who can organize. You know, we talked about it earlier about the ability to manage time and score. Well, there have been there haven't been few who could do it better than Chris Paul in any era. He's ultimate, know, he ultimate, ultimate, ultimate game or, manager. Right. You, you know, maybe, maybe not. Whatever era you watch. But. He can manage the time and the score. So the leadership that they have at key positions, Monty Williams, 
James Jones, Chris Paul, you can see the benefit of what this means to a young group. You can see DeAndre Aiden. You can see the emergence now of Devin Booker. You say, well, he was always scoring. Yeah, he was a good player on a bad team. Now he's a very good player on a very good team. He's a very good player on a very good team this year. That's a different brand of basketball. And you saw him beginning to make those steps in the bubble. Mikael Bridges, they got great role players. Jay Crowder, Sarich, those guys. Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne. Yeah, Sarge had twenty one. Yeah, Sarge had twenty one points really the other night. Liking this team, and I like this team. This is why I really like them. Are they better? They're top two players. Let's say they're top two. Are they better than the top two players? Let's say of the Lakers. You can argue that. Are they better than the top two players than the Clippers? You can argue that. Are they better than the top two players in Utah? You can debate all of these things. But they're role players: DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder. Mikael Bridges, Sarich, those are quality rotational players on playoff teams. Yep. I will argue and make the case that their role players are as good as any of the role players that are currently now making a playoff run. They have (laughs) very, very good role players. And I know Chris Paul and Devin Booker are very capable of scoring 30 points a game at any given moment, which is the recipe you need in the playoffs. This is a very this is a a team that I wouldn't want to face. No. In the playoffs. Absolutely not. Absolutely I mean, not. And here's and because go ahead, go ahead. because because one, I think DeAndre Ayton has the potential to be better in the playoffs than he does the regular season. Why? Because the game is going to slow down. He, he could be a force, without, he a, doubt. Be, he without could, a doubt. He's capable of having a 20-20 game. He's capable of having a five-block shot game. He's a very capable player. So, I like this team. I'm not surprised because of the leadership. And if they can stay healthy, this team is a team I would not want to face in the playoffs. I think they're going to be a tough out for anyone. And if they beat the Utah Jazz or the Clippers or the Lakers – I'm not going to be surprised because they have all of the ingredients to do it. Little fun fact from Johnny L. Uh, another role player on their team is Frank Kaminsky. The Suns are ten and one this year in games that Frank, Frank Kaminsky the starts. University and, of Men, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, the Big Ten. Yes, B- BJ. Yes. They're ten and one when Tank starts. Um, oh. Booker did play the other night, by the way, um, against the Lakers. And what I find so interesting about um, his continued evolution. Um, guess how many shots he took the other night? Well, he got thrown out of the game, so he only played half the game. Right. So he took, you know, my point is he played 23 minutes. He took 12 shots. And we've seen a gradual, not just improvement, but we've seen him get more and more comfortable with each month that has gone by in this new situation this season. And, you know, he, he started the year a little slower than normal scoring the ball. And each month it has um, ticked up and ticked up. But, you know, he's at 25 points a game right now. And he's shooting a career-high 50% from the floor. And he's shooting almost 37 from three. 
and he's just continuing to let the game come to him, meshing perfectly with Chris Paul. And uh, you hit it on the head with the role players. And, and Monty's game management and rotational management with his team uh, has been very good. And, you know, the Frank the Tank stat uh, states that. Uh, I'm going to take a rotation guy who may be you on the fringe of the rotation. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Well, I know how much you like it from old school. You're a big Will, Will mm-hmm. Ferrell fan. I know. I know what happens when we put a beer funnel near you. The Iowa, the Iowa days start to creep back in, don't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll do an offline about beer funneling. I just had a flashback to 1995. Um, sixth man of the year, we covered him already. It's clearly Jordan Clarkson. Uh, I thought Will Barton would be in the conversation this year with Denver, but that rotation's been um, very uh, inconsistent due to injuries, so he's been up and down and in and out of the starting lineup. Um, most improved player. We've seen a tremendous improvement from Zach Levine. He's now an all-star. Christian Wood was showing that early in the year, but he is out with an injury and will be out for a while. And I think the guy that has taken the biggest leap, and it'll be interesting to see if he stays in Detroit, because I think he is now a very, very coveted talent, and that's Jeremy Grant. Um, What have you seen from Jeremy Grant? And, uh, of course, work in thoughts, too, about uh, Levine and Christian Wood, if you have them. Well, let's start with the latter. You know, Zach Levine. You know, the one thing I love, I really love, and I respect about Zach Levine is that he continues to improve every single year. He 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 really, you can tell he works on his game. And they're playing a much better brand of basketball, and I'm sure some of that has to go with coaching, Coach Donovan and his system and what he's bringing and his philosophy. But Zach Levine continues to improve. But this kid, Jeremy Grant. Mm -hmm. When you think about what he's doing now, you have to go back into the the playoffs because he really, in the bubble, he had some really great games. He was huge for them. Huge for them. Yep. Okay. And everyone asks me, well, what's going on there in Denver? Okay, let me tell you what's going on. Jeremy Grant left. That's what's going on. Okay, you don't you don't lose a defensive player like Jeremy Grant on the perimeter. By the way, he had to guard LeBron James. He had to guard Donovan Mitchell. He had to guard Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You don't just lose that player and expect to be the same. Like Right, I know we like to we like to root for our own team, but you just don't lose Jeremy Grant and and like, oh, we're going to be just you don't replace that, okay? You don't no. replace that. Well, but we have, you know, player X. No, you just six don't lose six that. nine two way athletic players that could lock down the opponent's you, best you, perimeter you player and score the ball are not easily replaceable. You, you just don't lose that. Okay, that's what's going on with the Denver Nuggets. They lost a very very good. Player now, Michael Porter and those guys, they have a chance to be very good players too, but they're not that yet. Jeremy Grant has been he's been spectacular because defensively we've known how active he can be on that end, and he has the ability. He was what we would refer to in basketball terms. He was a star role player. Mm-hmm. He didn't require plays. We didn't require getting touches on the offensive end. But at the end of the game, he was going to have 14, 15 points. 
eight to ten rebounds, two or three blocks, and he was going to take on the challenge of the other team's best perimeter player. That's a phenomenal luxury to have that a coach, every coach wants that. Now what he's done is he's added this dimension on the offensive end, which wasn't explored much, but you would see it from time to time. Sometimes he would have like 25, 27. You'd be like, oh, he had just a good game tonight. No, probably if he was getting touches, he probably could be a, a consistent 20-point scorer. Now he's getting those touches, and we're saying, oh, wow. This guy is a real player, a real piece. Jeremy Grant, now the Detroit Pistons right now between Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson, I like what they have on the perimeter from the wing position. I really, they're both athletic. I mean, Jeremy Grant, is he's a 20-plus scorer consistently now. He's seen double teams. He's growing. They've lost a number of games where they've been up big. Just haven't been able to close it. And this is, they're all new. They had another amazing game. They won last night against the Toronto Raptors. They play hard. In a year or two, Eric, you and I are going to be talking. And we're going to be saying the Detroit Pistons are for real. Because Jeremy Grant, as good as he is on the offensive end, he's just as good on the defensive end. Hmm. So I like what the Pistons are doing. They're going, it's going up under the radar. But the Pistons, in a year or two, are going to be a problem. Mark my words. They are going to be a problem because when you can defend on the wings in today's game, it gives you a huge advantage. Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, two guys. Josh Jackson also can be in that in that discussion as most improved as well. I mean, he's, he's, he's the Detroit good. Pistons. Think of this. The Detroit Pistons are leading the entire league. And points off the bench. That's With Josh Jackson leading the charge. That's interesting. Check that. Yeah. Um, the Pistons have, you know, they have, I believe, the worst record in the league right now. But of the, they're 10 and 20, second worst record behind Minnesota. They're 10 and 25. And of the 25 losses, 17 of those losses have been by 10 points or less. Thank you for that, Johnny L. Um, and last night they put 129 points up against the Raptors, who have been playing very well. And Jackson and Grant both don't even play, and they get triple doubles out of Dennis I Smith like- Jr., who they've rescued, and and uh, and Plumlee. So they're like- they're stockpiling. I some- like what I'm seeing mm, in Detroit. Yeah. That's a great I, call I really out. like what I'm seeing in Detroit. I, I really call. like what they're what they're doing up there. Yep. Yep. Um, Coming down the stretch here, you know, we, we spoke about um, Philly and and, uh, and Utah earlier in the show. Um, what team, in your opinion, will either do so or you think has the best chance to do so, uh, rising and emerging from the pack the second half of the year? One team that's either stuck in a traffic jam right now or hasn't played well and is is hovering somewhere down towards the middle to the bottom of the playoff race in either conference. Who's one team that you think is going to put it together the second half of the season, granted if they have all their parts and, uh, and are healthy? 
Hmm. You know, there, there's a team that I think, even though they lost Jeremy Grant, I think the Denver Nuggets can put it together. 20 and 15, sitting at the seventh spot as we speak in the West. I think they can put it, put it together. And, you know, in addition to COVID, the protocols, and all of the things that's going along, or going around, I should say, I think this team still has the talent to kind of reinvent themselves because they had such a, they, they were coming off such a high in the bubble and what yep. they did. I mean, you're down three, one, what a couple times <laughs> and twice and you win. It's, it gives you, you sort of a, a false bravado. You know, it's like you're down 30 and then you come back and win. you feel invincible because you forgot you were down 30, you know, you like, it's like, yeah, you were down 30. Why were you down 30? Well, let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about the comeback. <laughs> okay. All right. I think this team is at a point now where they're saying either we're going to do it or we're not. What they did last year is already in the record books. You know, it reminds me of when you win a championship. There's little, there's like the, the, the after effect. Of winning you know like yeah i won and then you might have this feeling for like your first five games well i'm the champion i should win again and then you suddenly realize no one cares and that you this is a new season hopefully that's what happens to denver because they still have a good team i think they have to be a different team than they were a year ago though they have to be a different team because they're missing in particular jeremy grant a player who could help them play a style of play that's conducive to winning in the playoffs, which is they could grind it out with him. You know, Millsap is a little older now. Michael Porter brings a different energy to the game. You know, Gary Harris and these guys, they got to get healthy. I think they still have enough talent to win, but I think they're going to have to do it in a different way because they're a different team. And hopefully Coach Malone, has, you know, you, you you know you you know your team better than anyone. You know when to push the buttons. Now it's time to say if we're going to do it, guys, it's time to do it because we've done it your way, we've tried your way, and we're just not good enough to win on talent alone. We have to actually do this and do it together. And I think this is a the second half of the season gives this team an op, uh, an excellent opportunity to reflect come out because they really have some talented players. Jamal Murray is a very talented player. You know, Will Barton and Jokic has had an MVP, you know, caliber first half of the season, but it hasn't all come together for them for whatever the reasons may be. But I think this is the team that I'm looking to play better than they have in the first half of the season. I'm not saying that they will have the best record, but I'm looking for them to play at an elite level because they have elite, elite level players on their team. I mean, listen, they're, they're in the middle of this crazy Western Conference, but there's only two games in the loss column separating them from the Lakers and the Clippers, who are both tied for third behind Phoenix and Utah right now. So it's very much within, within grasp for the Nuggets. And the other thing, BJ, that's interesting too, and you mentioned about you know whether they thought the bubble success would just automatically carry over. There's been this progression with this team. Let's not forget 
two seasons ago. They're in Game 7 at home to go to the Western Conference Finals. And Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum deliver for Portland and win that game. Denver was right there. And I think the lack of experience and the lessons learned from that helped them in the playoffs last year. But they've got to figure out who they need to be the second half of the season. I'm going to throw one thing at you about Denver. If you, I'm putting, I'm, I'm throwing the, I'm throwing the Nuggets GM hat on you right now. Okay. If you've got a chance to get Bradley Beal without giving up, obviously you're not giving up Jokic and you're not giving up Murray, but you're definitely got to give up Porter and other pieces for the future. If you've got a chance to get Bradley Beal before this trade deadline to make a run at it and to build for the future with Beal, Jokic, and Murray, are you trying to make that happen if you're Denver? Is this before I went to sleep or after I wake up? You answered my question. How are you going to get Bradley Beal without giving up Jokic or, or Jamal Murray? Like, what are you giving up? Porter, okay. Barton, and all your picks. <laughs> Maybe your boy Bull Bull. You, 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 don't, you, you must don't like Tommy Shepard there in, 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 in Washington. You, you don't like your you – like I, have, I, I have nothing against Tommy Shepard. And, yeah, and listen, Washington has, Washington has played much better of late. Washington could make the playoffs in the East. But as far yeah, as a yeah. fit goes, Bradley Beal with Joker and Murray, I think would be a, an unbelievable fit. And as you like to say, we're talking about between the lines on the court. Yeah, I mean, Bradley Beal, listen. But I guess well, Bradley Beal could fit. This is this is not rocket science. Bradley Beal could fit anywhere. Could exactly. fit anywhere. Exactly. Bradley Beal exactly. is a perfect. I mean, I mean, Bradley <laughs> Beal, when he came into this league, he was more of a catch and shoot guy. And there's another guy. You know, we talked about Zach Levine earlier, who has added new dimensions to his game every year he's been in the league. Bradley yep. Beal was probably more of a catch and shoot when he came in. Now he can break everything. It down. Everything. He's step back. He's, He's finishing he's at the basket. I, I mean, Bradley Beal is, I mean, he's got the total package. I mean, this guy is, this guy is a player. And you know what I like to tell a player, don't you, Eric? You know what I tell a player, don't you? Tell me. Play on. Play on, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Bradley Beal's a player, man. You know, Bradley Beal will fit anywhere. He's a player. This guy, when you say skill set, if you want to get me excited, let's watch Bradley Beal. Like, you know, if I can't say, Hey, Dad, you know, we talk about basketball. And he's like, hey, you know, let's let's go out and shoot in the backyard. I was like, no, let's just go watch the wa- let's go watch the Washington Wizards. Go watch that guy, Bradley Beal. Cause he's gonna give you the full he's gonna give you the full menu on how to be an offensive player. He's gonna give it to you. I mean, this guy, in and out, left to right, right to left, step back, step through, dunk. Little, he got a little post game now, and he defends. Come on, yes. Eric. I mean, this guy, Special this guy, player. this this guy is now. If you're saying which team I think would be a magnificent fit, you know, let's just say since we're dreaming here, right? Because I'm still asleep on that. Yeah, on that trade. We're, just, we're, just, we're, we are we are but unconscious. And my dream, and my dream, the the perfect team for him because of the spacing on the floor. I I always look for players who play in different spaces, right? 
Utah? Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill, the way he plays, you know, he can play with with a lot of people. But the perfect space for him is the Lakers. Mm. That's the perfect space for him. Because LeBron James just floats. LeBron James floats. He plays a little point guard. He can play a little three guard. He can three. He can play four. He, he could be a facilitator when you need. He can do whatever. A screen roll with Bradley Beal and AD. A screen roll with with Bradley Beal and LeBron James. These are just bad matchups. Now you got an inside threat. You got a slashing threat, and you have the perimeter covered with Bradley Beal. So the spacing on the floor, to me, is what would, like, fit. Jamal Murray and Bradley Beal, could work. You could argue, you could argue Bradley Beal could, if you put the ball in Bradley Beal's hands, like Jamal Murray, they're similar. They're similar players. They're similar. They they do some similar things, but they could play off of each other. And with Joker's passing, play, yeah, he yeah, makes yeah, life yeah, easier can... for both of them. Yeah, but but with the Lakers, yeah. flat out scary for sure. Oh for man, sure. if he's with the Lakers, I mean that's, yeah. that's what makes it interesting with with Brooklyn. You know, I, I I can't remember where I said this at. Brooklyn has my attention for one reason. I've never seen a team win a championship without being a good defensive team. Right. I've never seen a team win that couldn't defend. Who's the who's the most who's the wor- worst who's defensive the most team? who's the most mediocre defensive team to win a championship? Let's say in the last, you know, I call the modern era, you know, the since the beginning of, so 40 years possible. since the I don't think it's possible. I'm just thinking about all the teams that have won a championship, and I think it goes like people look at you know Dr. J and Moses Malone and that team, and they assume oh well, the, the, great the, offense, but they could defend, and obviously the Celtics could defend. could defend, and the Showtime the Lakers, Lakers could defend, Showtime and the Pistons defend. and the Bulls, of course. Of course. I'm just defend. trying to think. The Houston Rockets, de- defended the, Spurs, the Lakers. Yeah. Everyone talks about the Golden State Warriors. They were the best defensive team in the league. Yeah. So the thing that has me interested with this Brooklyn team is if Brooklyn wins the championship, they will set a new precedent on how to build a team because now everyone will be justified in saying why the analytics work. See, I told you, I told you because you have to be able to defend because you got to be able to stop someone. And if Brooklyn wins and they don't improve defensively, Right, if they don't improve somehow defensively, so I'm a little intrigued because offensively, man, they can score now because they're playing the game. They, they all play different, like Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. They all do it a little different, so they're playing in different spaces on the floor. So if they could figure out how to be a good defensive team, I, I'm buying in. I'm all in. I'm because you, offensively, I'm, I matter. love. I, 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 I love. I love how we go from a uh, unconscious Bradley Beal scenario to, to uh, 
Brooklyn, Brooklyn's defense and how it plays into winning a championship. So our guy Johnny L today, BJ, is, uh, I mean, he's shooting, he's shooting the crap out of it. The last team to win a championship with a defensive rating outside the top 10 were the 17-18 Warriors, which was their second year with Durant, but again, they're the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And the last time before that were the 2001 Lakers, who were 22nd in defense. And that's the same Laker team that I believe lost one game the entire playoff run, which was game one of the NBA Finals to Allen Iverson and the Sixers when AI had 48 points. And the Lakers were number one in offense that year. So very Johnny few very few examples. Johnny L is, I mean, he's in a stance. He's moving his feet. He's seeing the floor. That, Johnny that, L, we're proud excellent. of you. We're proud of you. Proud and of you. And, 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 you know, and, and I remember that, the, that Shaquille O'Neal team, that Lakers team, and I remember why they were not good on defense. It's because every team in the league knew that Shaq wasn't going to come out on the screen roll. Yep. But when he wanted to do it, <laughs> key, when he, he wa- wanted to wanted. do it, yep. there was nothing you could do because you couldn't drive to the basket. You know, Shaq, he was just, I mean, he was Shaq. Like you could say there were players, there was Shaq. He could defend when he wanted. He could rim protect when he wanted. He was, when I tell you unstoppable, he was just so strong. Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, I don't know what those stats mean, but I do know when he wanted to defend, though, man, could he defend. Man, could he defend. He could He could defend with the best of them. He was, he was, uh, he, he could, he was, he was nimble. He was quick. He was athletic. He had great hands, but you know, that, that's about the time of, that's about the time right in the early 2000 when the game was beginning to change a little bit, you know? And then that Warriors team, was that Kevin Durant's first year? Second year. Remember, I don't re, I don't really remember that. I don't really remember that team. I remember the first no, year they were the, really the good dominance. The dominance just blurs together from uh, <laughs> from that era. But uh, but yeah, it hasn't it hasn't happened much. And obviously, that's one of the uh, most talented teams uh, assembled. Yeah, the second year they went fifty eight and twenty four. Um, they did not have home court. The Rockets did, and that's when they were uh, on the brink against Houston and ended up winning that series and uh, their uh, third title in four years and back-to-back with, uh, with Durant. But um, great stuff today, my friend. We, uh, we really covered a lot, and I like the way we turned the, uh, the midseason uh, awards convo into, uh, into a whole lot more. So it's good to see you... Uh, in the zone as you are uh, every week. Thank yeah. you, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. I so All-Star it. Weekend coming up. We've got some good games tonight. By the time you hear this, uh, it'll be Friday going into Saturday. But some good action to end the first half of the season. Enjoy All-Star Weekend. Um, I will be tuning in, but I'm not as into uh, predicting the contests and laying all that out as uh, we once were. But hopefully it's uh, a positive weekend for the league. And uh, you and I will pick this up again uh, next week, my man. So thank you for uh, a great show. Thank you.
Special thanks, as always, the Pure Hoops Media team. The one and only Bruce Bernstein. Mike Lieber, we miss you, buddy. We hope you're doing well. Johnny L., working with us behind the scenes, evolving, this young talent evolving with us on the Pure Hoops podcast. Great job today, Johnny. Uh, Kristen Woolley, our editor, and the entire Pure Hoops family. Check out the Mike Wise Show each and every Monday. Tuesdays, college basketball with Full Court, Fisher and Kay. Wednesdays, Catch and Shoot 2.0, Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin. Thursdays, Mean Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with superstar Monica McNutt and King McClure. Fridays, the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong, yours truly, Eric Newman. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy All-Star, stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 